because you are in the hoodwood. I'm the Black Bandit, KJ Green, welcoming you to another edition of Sports from the Hoodwood, December 14th, 2022. Coming up this week, the World Cup gets down to the nitty gritty, and the Moroccans are still there. They keep on dancing. But is this finally Messi's time to ascend the World Cup mountaintop? Look at the four on the floor for the CFP playoff. The two weakest teams that I think to have a shot at the title. Week 15 in the NFL's on tap. You think I'm gonna do 16 picks? Ha <laughs> ha! Fooled you again. I'm only gonna do wait first half of the game, Thursday and the set early Saturday games, as well as some early Sunday games. All those on tap. We'll have the hot five grab bag. Five questions. I'll just dig in the bag, answer five questions around the world of sports. Always have fat dap and head slap. And of course, final word from the wood on is Deion Sanders a sellout? So, buckle your seatbelts, put on your crash helmets, get ready. Sports with the Hoodwood's coming at you. Let's go! I'm really kind of glad he's over strawberry shortcake because I thought he was a little too, she was a little too old for him. But, you know, the dog is kind of crazy anyway. I'm your man, KJ Green, welcoming you to another edition of Sports from the Hoodwood. And let's get right into the World Cup. And then there were two. Now, you got to give the spunky Moroccans credit. After a draw with a better-than-advertised Croatian squad to start group play, they went on a four-game run for the ages, defeating Belgium, Canada in the group stage, and then winning Group F, and then shocking both the Spanish and Portuguese squads, the former in penalties and the latter in a one-to-nothing thriller, before finally running out of steam against a really strong French squad who advances to the World Cup final to be played on Sunday the 18th against the Argentinian squad. You know, the Argentines have really not been tested aside from a tense quarterfinal match with the Dutch that went to penalties. But is this finally Leo Messi's time? Is it finally his time to stand on top of the FIFA soccer mountaintop? I mean, this is his last best shot at a title. I mean, let's keep it real. Having played lost in 2006, 10, 14, and 18. Now, this is only his second final, having lost to Germany in 2014. But at 35, this may be the soccer great's last chance to claim the title. Now, I picked Brazil to win. I will freely admit that. But on the quiet, I am rooting for Leo Messi. This is the one 
jewel that is missing from his soccer crown, having won damn near every uh, every accolade that you could think of, numerous gold boots, no numerous uh, uh, Bailo d'Ors as as the best player in European play and in, in league plays, won countless Liga titles, and you think all the accolades that Messi has that he would have at least one World Cup crown, but the 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 the, the, the star-crossed Argentines seem to always run into one team that has their number. I mean, whether it was Germany, France, got them a couple of different years, uh, a couple of different times. The Argentinians seem to always be just a little short, and Messi, arguably one of the greatest players of our generation seems to always be standing on the sideline at the end wondering, why, why not me? Why not this year? But I think, though the French team is good, do not sleep on this French team. But I think this should be Messi's year. And one question I do have in passing, why do the English always think that they're deserving of the World Cup? That they're, it's always this year, this is it. We deserve the World Cup. They won the last, their only World Cup in 1966. They got knocked out by the French in the uh, quarters. And now they're like, it'll be 60 years. 60, not 16, 60. Since they won their only World Cup, which was played in England in 1966. I don't know why they think that they should win it or be, you know, have this kind of, well, we should win it. I mean, the Premier League, of course, is a great league, but the English team always seems to fall apart at the worst possible times, and this being no exception. But the team that you should watch, the team that I think is really deserving, is Argentina and Leo Messi. Now we're down to four in college football. And I'll preview the games in depth in a couple of weeks. But let's look at the two teams that I think are the least likely to win their semifinals and get to SoFi Stadium on January 9th. That's TCU and Ohio State. Now I can already hear the hissing from Fort Worth and Columbus at me, but let's keep it real. Given their matchups with Michigan and Georgia respectively, the Horned Frogs and Buckeyes have tall tests in front of them. Now, this is, the, this is likely the best offense that TCU has faced this season and definitely uh, the best running game facing Michigan. Now, while the Bucks can put up the points with the best of them, this probably is the best defense that they have faced all season in Georgia, short of maybe Michigan. I know, I've already heard the talk of SEC bias. Oh, SEC this, everybody wants to give them you know, uh, a leg up. But let's keep it real. Georgia has not been tested by a non-SEC team since they played my beloved Bearcats. And that was the end of the 2020 season when they played them in the Peach Bowl and law and beat them by a score of 24-21. And that was a one-point game until a late safety made it a three-point game. But still, 
The dogs have lost one time, once, since the beginning of the 21 season, and that was to Alabama in the SEC title game last year. Shut up, Alabama! Shut up! You do not, once and for all, you don't, didn't, and won't get any kind of consideration or anybody to feel sorry for you to be in the CFP. You don't deserve it. You didn't deserve it. And you're going to take, I'm thinking you might take a crackback blast from Utah. I think it's Utah they play in, the, in their bowl game. But who cares? Alabama's not in the CFP. Stop carping about it. And there's some people out there that have blown up my email, kjgreen at sportsmanhoodwood.com. But there have been some people who have blown up my email saying, why do you hate Alabama? You hate Alabama just because they beat your Bearcats. They beat them like a drum last year. Last year's last year. Alabama lost twice, did not win its division. Now, you say, well, what about Ohio State? They didn't win their division. Ohio State lost one time to a team that is in the college football playoff in Michigan. With a four-team playoff, unless the team is really exceptional, a team that does not win its division, much less its conference, should not be in any real consideration. Now, Ohio State, I said, was the exception. 11-1, their only loss being to one of the teams that are in the CFP. So, I'll let them in. But I don't think they're going to get through to the finals because playing Georgia, and, and, and I'm not knocking the Bucks to be sure, C.J. Stroud is a beast of a player. And if you sleep on Marvin Harrison Jr., you're sleeping on yourself because he's one of the best receivers in the country. Hmm, I wonder where he got that receiving pedigree from. I don't know. Name sounds familiar. But anyway, that said, Georgia has dogs. I know. I made a pun. Play on words. But they have dogs at every level defensively. And the Bucks will have their work cut out for them trying to sustain drives. Now, the Wolverines showed the world that the Bucks can be run on. And if they let Stetson Bennett stand tall in the pocket and make unhurried throws, it will be a long, long night in Georgia. Bad enough that the that you're playing Georgia in Atlanta. It's almost unfair. Now, if either or both of these teams pull out the upset, it will be monumental. And next week, we will look at the teams, I think, that should get through to the CFP final, Georgia and Michigan, and why specific reasons that they will be able to get through to the CFP final. Let's take our first break. Come back with the Week 15 NFL Picks the first half. Coming two shows this week. Both of them are going to have NFL Picks, but these are going to be the early ones. The Thursday, the Saturday, and some of the early Sunday ones. Sports from Hollywood continues after this. Is today your last day on Earth because you are being deployed to space tomorrow? Have you just turned 18 and you're ready to get out of your parents' house? Has your granddaughter gotten her boyfriend pregnant? Whatever your reason, you need us at GottaGetMarriedNow.com. We specialize in last-minute weddings. Active duty, military veterans and retired discounts are available. Visit us at GottaGetMarriedNow.com.
and the Hoodwood, the internet's premier destination for no-nonsense commentary, thorough analysis, and logical insight on the world of sports. Now here's the man that Wikipedia and Google call for sports fact checks, your host, KJ Green. NFL, we- you are back in the Hoodwood. Take one. It's KJ Green. And let's Go. look at the yep. NFL Week 15 picks. I'm going to break them up into two parts. This the you know first half will you be on this show, and the second half the will be on the show that will be coming Green. at you later this and let's week. Look at the now, NFL as I've said, this is where the, the NFL schedule starts to get a little this nutty. The first half games all over the place. The NFL Network calls three games from the Sunday slate. To move to Saturday, and they made that announcement just a few days ago. But keep in mind that everybody's going to be playing on Saturday next week because it's Christmas Eve. And and the NFL has long coveted trying to call the Christmas date away from from the NBA, who has long had a stronghold on that date sports wise to showcase its product. We'll discuss those games in detail as expected next week. But as it looks, CBS got a couple of key games snatched from its choice of games. As NFL Network will show nationally televised games on the balance of Sunday with early midday and prime time games. Now, I'm speaking about the setup to try to avoid the putrid week I had last week. Six and seven, I saw my upset go south. My lot nearly unraveled. Oh boy, Jackson nearly pulled that one out. And pretty much every game I picked seemed to go the opposite of the way I had forecasted. So, hoping to erase that blot on my general silence project. Prognostication keeps me to say, bring you another week of NFL picks for your review, approval, and approval. As, as usual, for entertainment and comparison purposes only. I say this only because with the holidays fast closing in on us, I am not the one to run to if you bet the lines. Lose and blow the gift fund for your people. All games are listed as Eastern Standard Time. Of course, you can always consult. I am 506sports.com. They have an excellent coverage map of the games in your area. Though the Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday night games and the Monday night games, you can only have the schedule now you think about it, will be shown on a national basis. But we are thankfully through the bye season, so we have a full slate of games to get First game on the docket is the Thursday game. That's the 9-4 49ers taking on 7-6 Seahawks. Game being played at Lumen Field in Seattle. 8-15 kickoff on Amazon Prime. The 49ers are three and a half point favorites. Last week, the 49ers defeated the Buccaneers 35-7. Game While the Seahawks lost to the Panthers, 30-24. to 24. Amazon Now, there are playoff implications on this game. 49ers clinched the NFC Last week, West the 49ers with a win. Now, behind the solid play of Brock Purdy, the Niners start fast, finish strong, and delivering an effort. Right now, Tom Brady and the Bucks in a game so bad for the second time in less than a month. Fox switched out of the game, televised most of the nation. And the game they switched to was... In game kind of so ironic, the Seahawks, the which they hadn't month, got switched to, Fox as they got trampled by the Panthers game, in a game that really wasn't as close as the game as the, the score indicates. Now this will be a real test for Brock Purdy in a hostile environment. Geno Smith had struggles, real struggles, first as a Seahawks signal caller, and if he had difficulty against a real defense that the Panthers present, I shudder to think what difficulties he's going to have against a ball hawking rough. 
neck defense that the Niners present. Considering the factors, this is a very tough game to call. I think the Niners will exploit the weaknesses that the Panthers exposed last week, grind out a hard-fought win in a very tough environment. Pick San Francisco. Let's move on to the Saturday game, shall we? First on the docket of the 481 Colts, taking on the 10-3 Vikings at U.S. Bank Stadium in Minneapolis. 1 p.m. kickoff on NFL Network. The Vikings are four-point favorites. Last week, Colts were First on the their bye, while the Vikings Colts. lost to the Lions, 34-23. Playoff implications in this game, the Vikings clinched the NFC North with the Vikings. Now, the Colts coming off a much-needed bye after a fourth-quarter meltdown in Dallas in Week 13, but now they're catching a Vikings team that's in a sour mood after a brutal evisceration by Jared Goff. By Jared Goff and the Lions, and they are in no mood play night. Now, despite the loss, the Vikings are still in solid shape and need only one win to lock up NFC North and at least one guaranteed home game for the playoffs. Have a myriad no of problems, and while they'll likely put up a good fight, the Vikings, the Vikings should wear them down. Only one the pick is Minnesota. North. Next on the Saturday docket, we have the 9 4 Ravens playoff. taking on the 5 8 Browns at First Energy Stadium in Cleveland. 4 30 kickoff on the NFL Network. The Browns are two and a half point favorites. Last week, the Ravens defeated the Steelers 16-14, while the Browns lost to the Bengals 23-10. Now, the Ravens are this close putting out a one-hand for healthy quarterbacks as they were down to third-stringer Anthony Brown with a big assist from J.K. Dobbins running, slogged by the Steelers in a sloppy game. And they stay on the road with the Browns team that is getting harder and harder to figure out. Now, Deshaun Watson is still really getting acclimated to his talented receiving floor and the defense while playing Decent sometimes seems to commit the silliest of mistakes at the most inopportune times. That said, I do not trust the Ravens' offense to grind out another win on the road. The Browns keep burning me on upsets. But this one actually looks like it could happen. Cleveland's That's a good upset. Do not trust the Ravens. The night game, Saturday night in Buffalo. We have the, Duff, the 8 5 Dolphins taking on the 10 3 Bills at Highmark Stadium in Orchard Park, New York. 8 15 kickoff. On NFL Network, the Bills Saturday are seven and a half point Buffalo. favorites. Last week, the Dolphins lost to the Chargers 23 to 17, while the Bills defeated the Jets 20 to 12. The Dolphins suddenly have forgotten to score how to score more than 17 points, having scored the same number of points in San Francisco and Los Angeles. They now head to the frightening prospect of a cold, snowy, blustery. Buffalo at night. Good luck. <laughs> the Dolphins' offense has had trouble with solid defenses all season, and this will exacerbate it. Give Josh Allen and his capable offense enough of a lead, and they will make the Buffalo. Now let's turn to the Sunday games. Uh, games of Sunday, December 18th. This is a CBS doubleheader weekend. First game on the docket is the 12-1 Eagles taking on the 3-10 Bears at Soldier Field in Chicago. 1 p.m. kickoff on Fox. The Eagles are nine-point favorites. Last week, the Eagles defeated the Giants 48-22 while the Bears were on their bye. Now, the Eagles dealt out a straight-up beatdown, if not in the boogie down, close enough to it in Gotham. Now head to the midway to face a Bears team that isn't playing worth squat. Is Justin Fields going to be healthy enough to play? Will it really matter, though? I just have the feeling that Jalen Hurts, Miles Sanders, A.J. Brown, and the rest of that 
offense from the Eagles are going to have their way in spades in Chicago. And it really I don't think it really matters if Justin Fields plays or not. This will not be a pretty affair. The pick is Philadelphia. Now, next on the docket, we have the 5-8 Falcons taking on the 4-9 Saints at Caesars Superdome in New Orleans. 1 p.m. kickoff on Fox. Saints four-point favorites. Last week, both teams were on their respective buys. Now, the Falcons are giving up on Marcus Mariota. And Desmond Ritter, former Bearcat, will get the start for the Falcons. He might have the best team to face in the Saints who are growing more and more defensively inept. Trying to stay in the race in the woefully weak South, the Falcons are trying to stack a few wins together to set up an eventual showdown with the Buccaneers. I think they'll get the win here. The pick is Atlanta. Next on the docket, we have the 6-7 and seven Lions taking on the 7-6 and six Jets at MetLife Stadium in East Rutherford, New Jersey. 1 p.m. kickoff on CBS. It is an even-odds game. Last week, the Lions defeated the Vikings 34-23, while the Jets lost to the Bills 20-12. Now, coming off a solid win over their of the NFC over the NFC North leaders, the Lions have fought their way onto the fringes of the NFC playoff race. And now head to Gotham to take on a Jets team that is trying to stay in the AFC playoff race themselves. Quiet as kept, I think it's a sneaky good matchup. I think Mike White is hella tough after taking one boom shot after another after another in Buffalo, and he kept trying to get back into the fray. If he is good to go. They have the potential to give the Lions real trouble. The Lions, for their part, have seemed to found their mojo offensively and are scoring points. How long it'll last, I'm not sure. But for some reason, I just can't see the Lions doing taking this act on the road. I do see a shootout, though. The pick is the New York Jets. Finally, on the early picks, we have the 5-8 Steelers taking on the 5-8 Panthers at Bank of America Stadium in Charlotte. 1 p.m. kickoff on CBS. The Panthers are two-and-a-half-point favorites. Last week, the Steelers lost to the Ravens 16-14, while the Panthers defeated the Seahawks 30-24. Now, the player, this, let's try it again. The Steelers played a sloppy game in losing to the Ravens and now have to face trying to win games with Mitch Trubisky at the helm. Now, they head to Carolina to face a quietly resurgent Panthers team that have played, played one of their better games of the season in heading into Seattle and dominating the Seahawks more than the score would have you believe. I don't think the Steelers are ready for prime time. I don't think the Steelers are ready for anything. And they're not going to win any games with Mitch Trubisky at the helm. I think Carolina looks good at home. The pick is Carolina. And there you have it for the first half of the picks. We will take a timeout and come back with the Hoodwood Hot Five. I'm going to reach into the grab bag and get some questions. Snuffy thinks I'm crazy for doing this, but I think it will make for a good copy. Sports from the Hoodwood continues after this. Hmm, who can I get to help me? I know, Santa! Hey there, Raj! Are you ready to tell him? Why, yes, Santa, will you help? Of course! Show! Raj has been hard at work all year coming up with ideas that he can put together in scripts and movies just for you. And once the holidays are over, we can start shooting movies. Like my new thriller, The Ultimate Delivery, and my new feature film, Don't Mess With Family. And so much more! All coming, coming in 2023. 2023. Ho, ho, ho! Happy 
holidays from all of us at Holly Ducky Films and Rage Pictures. And be sure to follow us online where oh, we can get your social media. Oh, wait we talked about this. You said I'd get the final Look, word. I just want to make sure I'm still getting paid Look, for this. if you don't want a box of coal underneath the tree, oh, you're better on Dude, just let him have the last word. Okay, fine. Stay safe and warm this holiday season. Happy? You made the top of the night. Hi, everyone. I'm KJ Green. If you're looking to reach a broad audience for your advertising dollar, look no further than where you are right now. You can advertise right here in the Hoodwood. If you need spots created as well, Black Bennett Productions Enterprises can create commercial content that drives sales and gets results. You can send your inquiries to ads at blackbennettproductions.com. Black Bandit Productions and Enterprises. Sounds, ideas, and images of the 21st century. commentary, insight, and opinions on the world of sports. Here now live in living color, black by popular demand, your host, KJ Green. Now are we headed down the home stretch, or are we rounding third and headed for home? How about both? <laughs> Let's finish up strong with the Hoodwood Hot Five, as well as Fat Dap Head Slap, and the final word from the wood. I was advised to do this against... My producer Snuffy's wishes, he says that I'm asking for trouble, but people do send me questions and comments at kjgreen at sportsfromthehoodwood.com, and you should too. If you have a question, concern, something that you want me to discuss, maybe I'll discuss it here. First question, are you really that ugly, or is Snuffy, if, oh, dog trying to be funny... Let's reach into the grab bag and really get a real question. Okay. KJ, is Carlos Correa really worth $350 million? That's a good question. The former twin shortstop who decided to bet on himself was signed by the San Francisco Giants on a 13-year, $350 million contract. And he will be in the Bay until he is in his early 40s, or at least getting paid by the Giants until he's in his 40s. Now, Correa is a good hitter, great fielder, and all-around good team guy. But paying that kind of money is outrageous. Not because he is someone you can build a franchise around, which I think he could be a key component, but I just don't think he is worth that kind of money. But he bet on himself. And the Giants, having been shut out of the Aaron Judge sweepstakes, decided they wanted to get the second best thing. So that ended up being Carlos Correa. Let's reach into the grab bag and pull out another question. KJ, I'm a big Dolphins fan. Is my team in trouble and is Tua Tagovailoa a mirage? The Dolphins... Going into Buffalo, I'm picking against them. They are in trouble. playing. In, they don't play well in December in cold weather climbs. That's long been known. Are the Dolphins in trouble all the way around? I think they've banked enough wins that they will make the playoffs. 
That said, they're going to have to go to a cold weather climb sooner or later, whether it be Kansas City, Cincinnati, back to Buffalo, and they're going to lose. And they're going to lose big time. The Dolphins are in real trouble as in making the playoffs, but they are in real trouble in, in playing in games in January. Next, let's see here. KJ, love, they love you in L.A., but are the Clippers and Lakers fake? Fake? I wouldn't call them fake. I would say that they're not a really good team all the way around. I mean, Kawhi Leonard, who I'm not a big fan of, is playing every other game. Paul George is playing decently. And the Clippers are right around 500. The Lakers are a bigger problem. I mean, LeBron James is about eight, 900 points away from uh, eclipsing the all-time scoring mark held by Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. But are the Lakers really worth watching other than that? They're a boring, plodding team that really can't really get out of its own way. I mean, yeah, Anthony Davis is still a great player, but he's looking more like Pelicans West, and the Pelicans are a damn good team themselves, quiet as hell. But the Lakers are looking like a one-man gang because LeBron James is on autopilot. Russell Westbrook is doing his own thing. I don't even think he's starting anymore. Are the Lakers and Clippers old news and fake? I would think so. I think they've been old news. Question number four. Canada? KJ, we like you really in Canada. If you want to come up and skate, you're more than welcome. Thank you. I appreciate that. The question is about the NHL. Are they going to expand the playoffs? And should they? Well, you look at the NHL, and the NHL has had 16 teams in its playoff structure for the last over 30 years, almost 40 years. At one time, 21 teams in the NHL and 16 got in the playoffs, which is really bad. And they expanded and expanded. Now, there are 32 teams in the NHL, and only half of them make the playoffs. There have been proposals. Should there be a play-in tournament or like a play-in game to get the 7th to 8th seed? Gary Bettman, who I can't stand, is vehemently against the idea. He thinks it's gimmicky. He thinks it's, it's it cheapens the playoffs. Okay, 16 teams get in the playoffs, but you're worried about cheapening them. But that's neither here nor there. I think the NHL should expand to a playing game. I think a, a one-game do-or-die, sudden-death type of game, you know, win and you're in, would really foster um, more interest in the playoffs. Getting into the playoffs, first round, and of course, all the series are best of seven. So you're not putting too many extra games on the docket. Now, the NHL season is internally long to begin with. Some people think they should consolidate the schedule anyway. But that being said, I still think that a play-in tournament might be able to generate a little bit more interest in those first-round games. And finally, the Hoodwood Hot Five are reaching the grab bag and pull out this card. <sighs> Why do you hate the ACC so much? I don't hate the ACC. I don't hate anybody. But. Has my beloved Carolina fallen the... Oh, I'm not going to say that on the air. They've fallen the bleep off or what? Carolina was the preseason number one team. They're now unranked. Now, 
I will give them a pass in the fact that they played back to back to back to back brutal games against the likes of Alabama, Indiana, Virginia Tech. They played, four, they lost four straight games. And the team is still a little bit in transition from the Final Four team from, from this past spring. But I thought it was a little bit presumptuous to make them the number one team. I didn't think they had the tools to be a number one team. A mid-ranked team, yes. But number one, no. A team like Texas or Houston would be better suited to be a number one team. You know, those criminals in Houston. It just roils me that they're the number one team in the country. But that's a personal observation. Has Carolina fallen off? Yes. Can they recover? Of course they can. They're Carolina. They have too good of a pedigree and too many good players not to fall off. They should be back in the rankings sometime around mid-January. Just be patient, Carolina fan. Your Tar Heels will be okay. Now, let's take a look at Fat Dap and Head Slap. head slap of the week or fat dap of the week goes to longtime Washington Capitals sniper Alex Ovechkin who notches 800th goal in a hat trick no no less and a 7-5 win of the Capitals over the Blackhawks on Tuesday night now Alex Ovechkin is now third the third player to ever notch 800 goals and with two more goals he will move into second place in the all-time goal scoring list Passing legendary Red Wing, Gordy Howe. He is, and I look, I look this up, and I'm thinking, okay, he's still got light years to go before he gets to the great one. Not so fast, my friend. Wayne Gretzky has 894 goals. Alex Ovechkin, who has averaged 50 goals a season in his career, could realistically, at 37, push hard to get to the legendary status of Wayne Gretzky passing him by. Now, he's Ovechkin's nowhere near close to the points total. I mean, he's at about, about 1,400, 1,500 points. Gretzky has over 2,100. But the all-time goal-scoring lead is a realistic possibility for the Russian sniper. Fat depth to Alex Ovechkin, long-time cap, great score, great player. Our head slap of the week <laughs> it isn't so much a head slap, but I'm just gonna make I'm just gonna make fun of them because I can't stand them. The team I have grown up loving to despise, the Louisville Cardinals basketball team. I'm not even gonna talk about their football team because the, I'm thinking the Bearcats should beat them in the Fenway Bowl on Saturday. Knock on wood, but we're talking about the basketball team here. I grew up despising this team because I thought they were arrogant. I thought they were they thought they were so good and just. Everybody was beneath them, and I thought Danny Crumb was arrogant, and then whiny when my beloved Bearcats stopped being afraid of them and started beating them repeatedly. And then after Danny Crumb left, Rick Pitino ended up being their coach, and I despise him even more because I think he's a crook. Chris Mack went from Xavier to Louisville, and he promptly fell on his face. Now this year, under new coach Kenny Payne, the Cardinals are... 0-9. I'm not kidding. They're 0-9. They lost their opener to Bellarmine. Bellarmine. If you can tell me where Bellarmine is, send me an email without looking it up. 
I'll find some swag to get to you if you can tell me where Bel Bellarmine is. They're the Atlantic Sun Conference, and they lost to them by one in their home opener. Then they lost to Wright State and Appalachian State, both by one-point games. Now, all three of these losses, like I mentioned, were just by single point. So you think, that's an awful run of bad luck, but it gets worse. They've lost their last six games by... And I'm not reading off like hut-hut signals. Now, the first three of those losses were in Maui, and two of the last three have been losses to start conference play. The latter to a 3-9 and nine Florida State in Tallahassee, home center in Louisville. I can't say I really feel sorry for them, to be honest. My beloved Bearcats slapped them around in Maui 81-62 to keep them finishing dead last in the Maui Invitational. And it gets no easier. If they don't get a win against Western Kentucky, Lipscomb, or Florida A&M, no guarantees, by the way, they won't win in Lexington because you know the UK Wildcats are waiting for them on New Year's Eve in Rupp. Good luck. And it'll be damn hard for them to find a win in the ACC. Head slapped to Louisville. You know, I asked if Carolina had fallen off, but they haven't fallen as far as the sorry cards. And now, without much further ado, let's get to the final word from the wood. Now, I have to admit, I waited a few days for the fuss to calm down and all the talking heads to get their two cents in before I decided to weigh in. Deion Sanders has taken his high-wire coaching act to a bigger venue. After three seasons at HBCU Jackson State of the SWAC, Sanders was lured to Colorado of the Pac-12, a Power 5 school. Now, there was an uproar like no other for Sanders' move, though there were some that thought the Coach Prime could make Jackson State not only an HBCU powerhouse, which going 27-5 in three years gave an inkling that he did have the chops to do so, but turn recruiting upside down as many top prep stars were leaning to or already had leaned to playing for him. Now, there were others that thought Sanders' influence would have a pull on other retired NFL stars of color to become head coaches at HBCU schools. Eddie George, for one, has been the head coach at Tennessee State for the past two seasons. While Tennessee State is an HBCU, it's not a member of the MEAC or the SWAT, two of the top HBCU conferences in the country. After three seasons, though, there were a number of schools that were in the running for Sanders' Sanders' coaching services, including my alma mater, University of Cincinnati, where a frenzy around a possible coaching move was palpable, especially with the Bearcats losing a big-name coach like Luke Fickle to Wisconsin. Many felt that replacing Fickle with a big-name like Sanders would be the key to keeping recruits and just a type of flashy, splashy hire that was needed and with the pending move to the Big 12. Now, Sanders did take a lot of flack for his move from some sources. The noted black scholar, Dr. Umar Johnson, was especially vocal in his criticism of Sanders, arguing that he should have stayed at Jackson State and made the Tigers a national power. He thought that Sanders had sold out. I, for one, disagree with that thought. There is a definite ceiling not only of the exposure and influence that Sanders could have had. As much as Sanders did bring to the table, Jackson State was not going to be nationally televised, at least not somewhere like ESPN for noon or 3.30 kickoff over, say, an SEC or Big Ten team. It's just not going to happen. Jackson State would never have the kind of funding or endowment to compete on a large scale with, say, a Clemson, Alabama, or even a lesser Power 5 team like, say, Colorado. 
Sanders knows this. And he was coming out of his own pocket to help fund the Jackson State football team. And to expect him to stay there and lose money was unrealistic and bordering on the absurd. Why should Sanders have to sacrifice his earning power and his coaching career to satiate the moral pleadings of a supposed scholar like Johnson? Where is it written that a black man has to be the constant standard bearer for all black men on a certain issue? This is a crabs in the barrel type issue. One trying to better himself only to see the haters trying to pull him back down and be critical or be critical of his actions. Now, keep in mind that Deion Sanders was not only funding the football team partially, building a new locker room and player lounge, but also paying for team meals out of his own pocket. But scholars like Johnson want Stan Sanders to stay at Jackson State, be a standard bearer, and lose money. Stay and be some sort of trailblazer for others? What kind of sense does that make? Jackson State was having a lot of money issues, with money being getting shuffled around and shuttled from the athletic department to the general fund. A lot of financial chicanery is in play, and I think that Sanders saw this and decided, you know what? It's time for me to make tracks. And Sanders was supposed to sit and do nothing about this? I think Deion Sanders did what was best for him, and he owes no explanation for his actions. Do I think that Sanders would do good at Colorado? Eh, if given the proper resources, I think he'll do decent. But anybody with a brain knows that Colorado is not the destination for Sanders. Not right now. He wants to coach in either the SEC or at his alma mater, Florida State. Now, keep in mind that Florida State will be likely trying to woo him if they can't get the type of season out of Mike Norvell, who was 17 and 16 at Florida State, though coming off of a 9 and 3 season. His seat might start to get warm with someone like Coach Prime looking over his shoulder and being wooed to take his spot. I'll be honest, I really didn't think that Deion Sanders was a serious coaching candidate when he first burst on the scene a couple of years ago. But Coach Prime has made a name for himself. And in a short while, if he wins at Colorado, he'll make a believer in me. But to be critical of his actions, actions that a number of coaches have already done and before him and will do in the future, is the definition of absurdity. And that is the final word from the wood. Now, with the music coming up in the background, you know that means that your time in the hoodwood is just about done. Thank you so much for your visit. Now, the show's email is kjgreen at sportsmanhoodwood.com. Please send me emails regarding show topics, questions, comments on the show, and both praise and criticism. You never know, you might end up in the question with a grab bag. I welcome your correspondence, and I will try to be get back to you as quickly as I can. Now, the show's website is sportsfromthehoodwood.com, which has the back catalog of the show, both audio and video. I'm going to start putting some more stuff on it, like I'm doing with my Facebook page, which is Sports From The Hoodwood. Get in. Try to be a member. You never know. You might get uh, some show topics thrown on there. I have I post a show there as well, as well as YouTube. The podcast is also on the show's Twitter feed, at Hoodwood Sports. Audio version is on Spotify, Amazon, Stitcher, iMusic. You name the podcast platform, I'm probably on it. And if the Hoodwood is not on your favorite, drop me a line. I'll see what I can do to get it there. Special thanks as always to Rage Pictures providing production assistance to the show, including a nice little graphics you've seen coming in and out. 
the uh, holiday stuff. So that's it from the Hoodwood. Until next time, fellow sports fans, I'm KJ Green. Sports from the Hoodwood is a Black Bandit Productions and Enterprises presentation of a 551 Audio and Films production. 